0: Good evening, it's Michael James Lauren with the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. An interesting topic tonight, how sensitive is the Church toward Jewish people who don't know Jesus? Could the Church be more sensitive? Joining us is Dr. Rich Freeman, Vice President of Church Ministries for Chosen People Ministries. And Passover is coming up, we're going to have an interesting conversation with him. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. How are you doing, Michael?
0: I'm doing very well, thank you. Dr. Freeman, we're going to have so many questions for you. It's just an interesting topic. Jewish people made up 100% of the Church at one time, and it sure isn't like that today. But is it safe to say that the Church has completely lost the Jewish identity and ethnicity? And if so, how did that happen?
1: The best way I could explain it is uh, the early Church was a Jewish Church. Uh, when, when Peter preached on Pentecost, it was... Uh, to Jews that he preached, and those were the 3,000 souls that got saved. When when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, he was speaking to Jews to bring the gospel to Gentiles. And then probably the the big change took place uh, when God raised up that crazy rabbi from Tarsus named Saul and we know him as the Apostle Paul, but as he began bringing Gentiles to faith in Jesus, the the church began changing, and more and more and more Gentiles were getting saved, less and less Jewish people were responding. It sort of did a flip-flop. And then around the 4th century, I I guess, with uh, Constantine and Augustine, there was a, a, a movement in the church to kind of move away from its Jewish roots. It began with changing the date of the celebration of the resurrection from the day after the Passover Sabbath, which is the Old Testament Feast of First Fruits, to the Sunday after the first full moon of the spring. You know, it just it kind of began with that council. In the fourth century and then you started seeing a lot of anti-semitism in the church and uh, some awful things that were said about jews by you know supposed christians uh, to the point where, where faith in, in jesus was seen as a gentile faith and for us jews it was the furthest thing from what we would be interested in and i grew up in new york city believing that jesus was italian
0: Right. <laughs> Italian or or Swedish, uh, they have, you know, it just depends where nationality. But as far as the different worship styles in church, I know that we're fine with Amazing Grace and the old rugged cross. However, I don't think that Jesus sang that song necessarily. In other words, it's okay to have exuberant, fun, Jewish ethnic music. It would be a welcome change, I think, in the church. I, I hope uh, people feel that way. Either way, it's very traditional a lot of the time, or contemporary. But again, no Jewish music is that the landscape, or where things begin to change a little bit. Do you think
1: we're we're seeing a little of that, uh, Michael? And not not too much, but we're seeing some of it. Where, where there's a movement towards churches wanting to know more of their of their Jewish roots, and part of that Jewish heritage is in worship style and understanding. Uh, and, and we see some of that in some churches. Other churches are just you know, very, very traditional, and uh, they've you know, kept their traditions, and they look anything but, but Jewish. But in all that, I, I think there's a desire to get to know Jesus in its Jewish context, because it really kind of enriches the Scriptures to know that here's this Jewish man that was accused of many things by his detractors, but he was never accused of being a bad Jew.
0: The ethnicity of Jesus seems like it's mysteriously missing in the church, uh, not recognizing him as a rabbi. And, of course, he was a real Jewish man. Uh, In Christmas time, they sing the King of the Jews, you know, the King of Yisrael. It's very clear in in all kinds of churches, uh, Episcopal churches, uh, Presbyterian, you name it, Baptist, he is the King of the Jews, the King of Israel, but... Uh, other than those days, as far as Christmas, you just won't see that kind of recognition. So uh, once again, how did that happen?
1: Over time, the, the church has kind of removed Jesus from his, from his own culture. I think you're absolutely right. You go into a church and you'll see a picture of Jesus where he looks Swedish. In, in the fourth chapter of John, the Samaritan woman looks at Jesus and says, how is it that you being a Jew speak to me? So she recognized him from the way he looked; that he was a Jew. And Isaiah says he was very ordinary. So, an ordinary-looking Jew from Israel two thousand years ago would have had dark hair, dark skin, dark eyes, Middle Eastern, and probably be about five foot four, five foot five, because that's what a, an average-looking man was. And you know, people can't imagine Jesus being a little short, you know, maybe stocky-looking Jewish man. The the. Silly stereotypes that Jewish people have big noses. Well, maybe Jesus had a big nose, and people don't want to hear that.
0: See now, uh, this type of dialogue and this type of history is very important because the church could benefit from that. And of course, that leads me to my next question. So now what do we do about having more of a sensitivity toward evangelizing Jewish people? Because, once again, I don't hear many pastors talking about that, but it is important. We talk about going to India or Uganda, but now let's talk about how can we be a little bit more sensitive in witnessing to Jews?
1: Jewish people really get saved one at a time, usually through a long process of relationship building and building uh, the ability to be respected and trusted and listened to. And then and only then will they begin to consider it because there's so much bad history the church has to really answer for that it's hard for a Jewish person to acknowledge Jesus as anything but the God of the Holocaust. You know, he's the one uh, we call Christ killer, so... You know, our people were killed because of what they did to Jesus, in, in that sense of and in essence, a payback. And I know a lot of people who believe that, that the Holocaust was Christian payback for the Jews killing Christ.
0: You know, every year it seems, or sometimes more than once a year, churches take these trips to Israel. And I'm telling you, they love it. I mean, Christians really have a heart for wanting to go to Israel. And I'm thinking that's where it all kind of comes together, where they all of a sudden get it, and all these things you're talking about kind of bridge the gap. Uh, what's your experience with that?
1: I, I do trips to Israel uh, for the ministry and uh, lead a tour every year, and I always take some pastors with me, and it, it never, never ceases to amaze me when pastors are in the land and realize all of this took place in this land, uh, and that Jesus was part of it, and that he really was a Jew. Uh, he really did walk you know, in this land. It's life-changing for, for Gentile pastors. To kind of come to grips with all of that,
0: I want to tell you something funny. I went to a Southern Baptist seminary and it was in Wake Forest, North Carolina, in the Bible Belt. I enjoyed it very much, but one thing that uh, was a little odd a lot of these New Testament churches are churches only the New Testament, nothing else. And I almost couldn't believe that, as bright as some of these students were, they were very deficient in the Old Testament, and uh, it seemed like you had to twist the pastor's arm to preach from the uh, Old Testament there. Is that something that's just in the Bible Belt, or have you, you noticed that in uh, all across America?
1: Pastors tend to shy away from the Old Testament, because it's not easy to, as the New Testament to preach through. So pastors tend to preach New Testament primarily. If there was this understanding of the Jewishness of the Bible and the Jewishness of Jesus, uh, throughout the Church, you would see more and more pastors uh, spending time in the Old Testament. And uh, certainly we're, we're coming to the Passover season, and to understand communion from the perspective of the Last Supper being a Passover Seder meal uh, changes things. And uh, it's, it's something that we in Chosen People for the next few months are going to be very, very busy doing, and that's doing these Messiah and the Passover presentations, teaching on the, on just how Jewish the Last Supper was and the the roots of communion. And granted, there are different traditions in different churches. At the heart of it, it was a Passover that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples, and it all pointed to him. So that when Paul says, Christ, our Passover has come, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, In the same way that that first Passover lamb redeemed the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, he redeems us from slavery to sin. And it's a a beautiful picture. And, And those are the sort of things that really kind of change the way people uh, in the church see. And, uh, and, I, and I enjoy being able to, to bring those types of messages into the church. But honestly, if, if the church understood the Jewishness of the scriptures to the extent that, they, that I believe they should, then an organization like ours wouldn't need to exist.
0: Dr. Rich Freeman, thank you for being on the program. We certainly learned a lot from you tonight. And uh, shalom and enjoy the Passover that's going to be coming up. Uh, If people want to find out more about Chosen People Ministries, they can go to chosenpeople.com. God bless you and shalom.
1: Okay, shalom to you.